All right. Well, good Sunday evening. I want to tell you that this has been a tremendous Sunday, a wonderful fall Sunday. Has it not been? This has been a day of just beautiful fall weather, and uh, it made me made me appreciate being in northern Colorado. We've had a wonderful fall season. The Lord just blessed us with beautiful colors and a long fall this year, and it is a joy to, uh, to be able to share that with you. I want you to uh, be finding in your Bible tonight the book of 2 Timothy. Find 2 Timothy tonight. So good to be with you. Uh, we had a wonderful time this morning. Man, what a wonderful service. And I just thank the Lord for the opportunity uh, to meet together this morning and uh, be able to see baptisms and those who've come to know Christ as Savior. And then also to, um, to be able to see um, the church family celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And I hope that um, you heard the message this morning and you took it to heart and that we approach the Lord's Supper with a sense of awe and worthiness as we preached about this morning. But it was just a wonderful service. And I think uh, the Lord met with us in a special way. The singing was good. And I appreciate all of our deacons serving so faithfully as they did today. Um, and uh, the heart and hands having everything ready for us. It was just a precious day. I enjoyed every minute of it. Hey, take just a moment and share. Uh, let others know that uh, they can watch with us. And we want to get into the Word of God tonight. And we're going to continue a message that we had last Sunday night. And we're going to be back in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy 1 tonight. Uh, I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, uh, you, can, uh, you can pick up your voting guides and some other information for voting. We'll be trying to get um, everybody ready uh, for this upcoming election. We're just a little ways away. And we want to make sure that we're prepared to uh, have biblical votes. And we want to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do according to our biblical conscience. And so we want to make sure that every one of us are doing our part. And so make sure that you, if you have questions, uh, feel free to, um, to call and uh, check in with the office. And, and we can help you any way that, you, that we can to have a biblical understanding of some of the things that are... Um, um, on our ballot and on the agenda. We, we are living in extremely um, politically charged times. And there is, I mean, you have to be absolutely blind not to see some of these agendas that are, are being pushed. And um, as Christians, we want to just make sure that we're doing what we can biblically uh, to make sure that we have the right candidates, to make sure that we put our vote um, in a good biblical conscience towards um, what God would have us to do to be good Christian citizens. And then, um, and by the way, let me just say that the, the reason for that is that is, it's not that we just get the government in power that we want, but it's so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, that's, that's really the goal. We want to be able to, to live in the freedoms that we have today to be able to share the gospel, to be able to raise our families, to be able to do the things that God has called us to do without having to fight against um, the powers that be. And we want to make sure that we have a voice in that 
so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's what the Bible um, in, explains the process of Christian citizenship to all of us. So we want to make sure that we're mindful of that. Second of all, we want to do our part uh, to reach the world with the gospel. And so you can you can start learning and, and sharpening your gospel um, knowledge by coming along on our Wednesday night services. Uh, we're going to be breaking up again this week into classes. We will not meet together like we did this last Wednesday night. We'll go straight to our classes and we'll resume uh, going back through the lessons and refining our uh, how to tell our testimony, going through the plan of salvation, how to start gospel conversations, and how to really impact others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to uh, be prepared for that. Be here this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Awanas will be meeting. The youth group is meeting. Um, and then we'll be in all of our classes and we'll have a wonderful time. Hey, did you find your, did you find your Bible? Uh, the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Uh, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. And we're going to be jumping back in tonight. And I want you to uh, let the Lord speak to your heart as we come back into 2 Timothy 1. And verse number seven is our text verse. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. I want you to pray about a couple of things. Um, first of all, uh, tonight, I want you to be praying for uh, Margie Hauser and her family. Uh, Margie's mom has been moved into, uh, into really comfort care. She's 105 and just a precious lady and a dear saint of the Lord. And I was able to... Um, talk with her a little bit and read some scripture and talk about the Lord and, and uh, just to see the joy on her face from knowing the Lord. But, but this is a difficult time for their family. So be in prayer for them, please. And uh, ask the Lord for grace during this time. Also, um, Sharon Corsa, her, her mom, uh, went to be with the Lord. And so uh, we're praying diligently for their family and that God's grace and comfort would would sustain them. Uh, we will uh, be letting you know more information as uh, as we um, as we know it. Uh, also, I want you to continue to pray for uh, Corky. Uh, we thank the Lord for her, and uh, she's home and trying to uh, gain some strength. And so, we're just praying that she can continue to get stronger. And we're praying for her. Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for how you've heard prayer. We thank you for the way that you um, so faithfully take care of us. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'll open your word to our heart. Lord, speak to us in a very, very uh, special way. Each of us, as we open up the word of God and we open up our hearts and our minds and our spiritual ears to hear, speak to us, I pray. I pray for these who are grieving and going through these difficult seasons. I pray that you would give that sustaining grace. Lord, we're thankful that your grace is always sufficient. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, look at verse number 5. The Bible says, Paul is speaking to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, 
which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Now you'll recall uh, last week we were uh, preaching from this passage of scripture on the subject of uh, a fear, uh, winning the fight with fear. We are living in an age today that uh, people are overwhelmed with a sense of fear. We, we've seen it in the last couple of years where fear has been used as a tool to control. And uh, people are, are fearful today. We're fearful of the economy. Some are fearful of uh, the world events, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and in China and uh, even in our own government. And uh, we, we see the things in the world events that, that keep people at unrest and unease and, and the fearfulness that uh, grips the heart of men. Well, Christian, uh, you and I may have some fear, but we don't need to have and we must not have a spirit of fear. For that spirit of fear did not come from the Lord. Tonight, uh, as we sit here, we understand that fear is a legitimate emotion. There, there are some healthy fears. Fear that causes you to spring to action. Fear that take, causes you to move to action. If you were to find out tonight that you had a family member that was missing, you would be gripped with fear. A terrible fear, but that fear would not cause you to just go lay down somewhere and go to sleep tonight and deal with it later. No, that fear would not be a paralyzing fear, but it would be a motivating, it would be a persuasive fear that would call you to action. God has given us some healthy fears. There are things that, that we ought to fear. In fact, I believe that they're beyond healthy fears. I believe there are holy fears. Jesus told us not to fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but to fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell forever. We want to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord uh, endureth forever. It is clean, the Bible says. In Psalm 19 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, arrogance, and, and all of the um, evil ways. God has given us some very healthy fears. Now, uh, there, are, there are some crazy fears in this world, and, and all of us have a propensity to fear. Paul himself had fear. He said, without were fightings, and within were fears. Fears are a normal part of life. Uh, we can't go through life without experiencing some sort of fear. But we can go through life without having a spirit of fear. I believe that a spirit of fear is an unholy fear. It is a fear that it has attached to it that spiritual component, which in my opinion, and what I really believe, is somewhat a satanic or a demonic fear. It's a fear that is oppressive. It causes a, a paralysis in, in, in your life. It brings you into its grip of control and power. And we, we, have no, we have no obligation as a believer to be under a spirit of fear. And I believe that Timothy was battling this through much of his ministry. Timothy was uh, one that was saved when Paul ministered in the city of Lystra. 
He undoubtedly, according to the scripture, had witnessed Paul's afflictions there, his stoning there. Timothy had seen the difficulties and the hardships of what it was to preach the gospel. Timothy was was left to pastor, uh, and he was pastoring a church, and Paul was in prison when he was writing 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul was writing these words, chained to a Roman guard, in prison, awaiting execution. And he was warning Timothy of this spirit of fear. He said, Timothy, you did not get that spirit from God. And how do you know if you have a spirit of fear? Well, it is a debilitating fear. It is a defeating fear. It, it causes you to, to, to be in bondage. One of the great things that it did to Timothy was it caused Timothy to forget. There is a forgetfulness that comes with this spirit of fear. Timothy had forgotten the faith that was in him. He had forgotten about the faith that was in his mother and grandmother. He forgot about the gift of God that was in him, that he had been born again and that he had the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. He'd been given an anointing by God, a calling from God to preach the gospel. Timothy was forgetful and Paul was reminding him, stir up this gift that is in you. Timothy also had begun to fail. This spirit of fear will cause you to fail in the areas that God has called you to. We find from verse eight that Timothy was ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. He was ashamed of Paul, his mentor, who was now in prison, and he was not declaring the gospel with clarity and and, and boldness as he had before. Timothy was in the grips of fear, and he was failing in his calling. We also find not only was he forgetful and failing, but we also find that this spirit of fear was causing frailty in his body. Paul had written to Timothy earlier in his first epistle that Timothy was trying to exercise away some of this stress and anxiety. And while exercise is good, it is not profitable in the long run. But, but, but exercising ourselves to godliness and righteousness and so forth. And so Paul was telling Timothy, you need to be pursuing the Lord with as much diligence as you're exercising your physical body. Then we found that Timothy was having some kind of a stomach issue and Paul was encouraging Timothy not to drink water, but to start drinking some wine for his stomach's sake and to get his nervousness and anxiety and perhaps he had some bleeding ulcers that were caused from this fear. But pain, fear was doing some work on his physical body. And I said last week that fear is to the body what sand is to machinery. It just grates it and wears it down over time. And and we need to be on guard of a life of fear, a spirit of fear. So we went through that last week and I told you we're gonna look at the remedy and I wanna show you how you can be delivered and how to overcome this spirit of fear. Well, what do we do? Let's look at verse number seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Those of us that belong to him, he has not given us this spirit of fear. But what did he give us? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now this, in reality, this is not the spirit of fear, but what has God given us? God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us the spirit of power, the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about these things? I want you to see what, what Paul is talking about here. Well, this, this spirit of fear is a spirit of destruction. It's a spirit of bondage. It's a spirit of paralysis. And it causes us to fail. And God has not given us that. God has called us to victory. And so if you and I are gonna have victory in this fearful world, 
we're going to have to have not the spirit of fear, but listen, a spirit of faith. And we're going to have to take God at his word and, and take a hold, apprehend the thing that God has given us. And what has God given us? God has given us a spirit of not fear, but of power. And I want you to see this. These are some elements that, that will take fear out of your life and cause you to live in freedom and in victory and in, in um, peace. Now, I want you to see a couple of these, these things. Number one, God has given us the spirit of power, the spirit of power. Notice this, Jesus, write this down. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, ye shall be endued with power from on high. So go back to Jerusalem and tarry you there until you are endued with power from on high. Now listen, when we, when we come to face to face with fear, and fear is a reality, we need to meet that with another reality, and that is the reality of faith. How do we meet the enemy of fear? We meet it with, with the, the um, friend of faith, and we march against that with what God has given us. And God has given us power. Remember what he told the disciples um, in Acts chapter one in verse number, uh, verse number eight. He said, uh, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus had already told us back in the book of Matthew that all power is given to me, both in heaven and in earth. And that same power now, he's giving to us. All power belongs to him and he's giving that power to us to abide in us, to dwell in us, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God. Think about this now. We actually have the power of God residing in us and with us and for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I remember when, when I was in school, seventh or eighth grade, there was a bully in our school, an older kid who just terrorized some of us junior high schoolers. And I remember coming home and sitting around the kitchen table telling my dad about this bully. And I'm, my dad was an old Montana cowboy. And he said, now son, uh, don't you come home and complain about this bully anymore. You go to school and you take care of him. Now I went to school there at the church. We, we had a Christian school, much like what we do here at uh, Front Range. We had a K, K4 through 12th grade school. And I went to school the next day and Dad told me, don't you come home with any more stories about this bully. You, you better take care of it yourself. And so I remember being down in the hallway and this old bully came up to me and he had me in the corner down by the locker room and he was going to do some of his terrorizing. And I remember um, finally kind of standing up and I took my little skinny arms and I bowed him up and I said, now you better leave me alone. And I took a, I took a uh, step at him and squared my shoulders back and said, you better leave me alone. And he said, yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. And he took a step back and boy, I felt this boldness rise up in me. And I said, now I'm telling you, you bet I'm, I'm done with you bullying me. And then boy, we're going to go at it. And I took a step at him and he took, he said, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And he was backing up from me. And finally he turned around and walked away. And, and I was so proud of myself. And I turned around and ran smack dab into my dad. <laughs> he was standing behind me there at the school. Now, now look, that bully wasn't afraid of me. He was afraid of my dad. And here's what happened. I, I confronted that fella with power, not my own power, 
but with his power. Remember, it's not by our strength or our might, saith the Lord, but by his spirit. God has given us this spirit. Remember 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now listen, if you have a spirit of fear, you're not focused on the Lord. You're not keeping your eyes on the Lord. Remember, Peter was out walking on that water and when he got to looking at the waves, he began to sink under the waves. He was looking at the obstacles. He was looking at the opponent. He was looking at what could take him down. And listen, if, if he would just look back to Jesus, what was going over Peter's head was firmly under Jesus' feet. And what goes over our head is under Jesus' feet. And we've got to keep our eyes on him. And we got to realize that greater is he that dwells in us than he that is in the world. There is such a wonderful power. Write this down in Psalm 27 and verse one. The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I can almost see the psalmist coming out on a parapet of his home and just looking out over the whole city and saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Then he said this. He said, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And that's that's the attitude that every believer should have. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He is the strength of my life. And I have no one to fear. If God be for me, who can be against me? And I want to tell you, friend, we need to get before the Lord and kneel before him. And we need to come before him and receive that power by faith. Come to the Lord and trust him. Keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And I want to tell you what somebody one time said, and I thought it was a wonderful quote, and I wrote it down. You need to glimpse at your problems, but you need to gaze at your God. Glimpse at your problems, gaze at your God. If God be for us, who can be against us? He's given us the spirit of power. Now, how do we break the spirit of fear? Number two, with the spirit of love. Romans chapter five and verse number one, the Bible says that God hath shed abroad the love of God into our hearts by his spirit. He has brought the love of God into us. Now, listen, this is the spirit of love. And you say, now, pastor, what in the world does love have to do with fear? How can love be an in, a weapon against fear? Well, I'm glad you asked. Write this down. Write down 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18 that there, that perfect love casts out fear. Listen to what the Bible says here. I love this. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you the truth. First John 4, 18, I've heard it preached many, many times when I was growing up, and I wanna tell you, it used to bother me because I had fear. And I would think, well, I have fear because I don't love God perfectly. In fact, I don't do anything perfectly. And I can't love God perfectly and therefore I can't overcome my fear. And I tell you, it was a wonderful day when I realized (laughs) that it wasn't me loving him perfectly that casts out fear. It was him 
loving me perfectly that casts out fear. You see, you don't need to fear anyone who loves you perfectly. And God loves you perfectly. And if you stand in the love of God and the love of God is in you and we love him because he first loved us, He loved us with a perfect love, with a mighty love, a holy love, and God loves us. And what does he do? He fights for us. Now think about this. When you get overwhelmed, maybe you're a widow lady and you're at home by yourself and sometimes you get overwhelmed with fear. Would you just look up to heaven and say, oh, Father, I'm trusting right now that you love me with a perfect love. And you are the father who loves his children and you love us perfectly and that perfect love will cast out fear. Now I'm telling you on the authority of the word of God, when we begin to get overwhelmed at the fearfulness of this life, what we're really saying is, God, I doubt your love. I doubt your love. You see, this is what Peter was writing to pastors in 1 Peter chapter five when he said, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. You can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. You can cast your fears on him because he loves you perfectly and his perfect love will cast out fear. Think about this. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 you can, you can say to the Lord, Lord, no matter what happens to me, I know that you love me. And I know that you have all the power and you are sovereign and you are mighty. And here's what I know. I know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And God, I love you and you love me perfectly. And that casts out fear. So what do we do when we're overwhelmed with fear? Number one, number one, we use the weapon of the spirit of power. We have the mighty power of God in us to overcome any fear in our life. Number two, we have the spirit of love. And number three, we have the spirit of a sound mind. Do you know that one of the things that's interesting that when God saved you, he did a transformation work in your mind? The Bible says that he renewed us in the spirit of our mind. The Bible tells us that we can let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a renewing of the mind. And the Bible tells us that we have a sound mind. And what does that mean, a sound mind? Well, a sound mind is a mind That literally means a mind under control. It has the idea of discipline. It's a disciplined mind. It's a discerning mind. It's a mind that thinks clearly. It thinks in reality. Uh, In other words, um, it is wise discretion. God has given us a mind that sees things in reality. Reality, when you're looking at things through the eyes of fear, you're not looking at things through reality. There's an old acronym that the military has used in its training that fear stands for this, F-E-A-R. Think about this now and remember this, this will help you. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing 
real. That's what fear is. Fear takes false evidence and makes it appear real. <laughs> Let me prove it to you. Have you ever been walking down the road at night all by yourself, maybe in a dark building or on a dark street or maybe down in your basement and uh, you get what you needed to get or you're going where you need to go, but all of a sudden you, you start thinking, I, I think I heard something. I think there are footsteps behind me. And pretty soon there are footsteps behind you. And there is somebody right there. You can feel their breath on your neck. And before long, you are running as fast as you can run from nothing. And what happened? All the evidence told you that there was something there when in reality, there was nothing there. And it was false evidence that appeared real. Now that's what fear does. Fear that's why Satan uses fear as a weapon because he gets you to believe something that is not true and makes it seem as though it is a reality. Proverbs 28 and verse number one says, the wicked flee when no man pursues. The wicked flee when no man pursues. They're running. They're running for their life when no one is chasing them. And do you know I see in this world today people who are just running in fear, fearful about everything. And fear has a lot of personifications. It comes out in anger. It comes out in, in uh, depression. It comes out in, in uh, frustration. Uh, fear has a lot of different ways that it comes out to the surface. And you see a very angry, frustrated, depressed world. Why? It's a world dominated with a spirit of fear. But believer, God did not give that spirit of fear to you. Uh, God has given you power. Think about this. Second uh, Timothy chapter one and verse number 12. I want you to see, why wasn't Paul afraid? Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Paul is writing from prison to Timothy, a preacher in the pulpit. And the preacher in the pulpit was more of a prisoner than Paul was in the prison. Paul was saying, oh, Timothy, God didn't give you this spirit of fear. You're free. Live like it. You're out. You can preach the gospel with clarity and boldness and freedom. Do it. And don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. I, the prisoner of the Lord, I'm declaring to you that I am free in this prison. I'm not free. I'm not under the bondage of fear, I have power, I have love, and I am thinking with a sound mind clearly. And why was Paul so unafraid? Why was Paul free in prison and Timothy in prison in freedom? Why was that? Look at this, watch, watch where Paul's eyes were. Look where Paul had his mind. Look at verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. He's talking about the gospel. I was appointed a preacher. I was given this calling, just like you, Timothy. I have this faith in me like you do. I have this gift in me like you do. I have the spirit of God in me like you do. I have the calling of God in my life like you do. I was given this calling as a preacher and that because of that, I am suffering. I'm in this prison. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. Why wasn't Paul afraid? He had a sound mind. His mind was fixed on Jesus. He said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able 
to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul had a commitment, and that commitment was a commitment of faith. He had a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had put his life into Christ's hands. He had committed himself into a Savior who never fails, a Savior who loved him perfectly, a Savior who had all power given to him. And Paul said, I have a powerful Savior. I have a loving Savior. I have an able Savior, and therefore I'm resting in him unafraid. That's the message. That's the message. Jesus has conquered it and no Christian should be living in fear. There was a soldier in World War II. In 1944, the war began to turn and this soldier was living on the island of Guam. A Japanese soldier. And as the war began to turn, the Japanese were losing the war. He deserted the Japanese army. And he found a cave out in the jungles of Guam. And for 28 years, this Japanese soldier stayed in that cave. Think about this for a minute. He stayed in that cave for 28 years. He'd only come out at night. He'd sneak through the jungles. He ate frogs. He ate rats. He found uh, shrimp that he could catch in little puddles on the seashore. Uh, he would eat wild fruit and roots and anything else that he could get his hands on. For 28 years, he was a prisoner of his fears. My country, my army is losing the war. And he went into hiding. And he lived in that cave for 28 years. Well, the war ended. And... In America, years later, 28 years later, we were driving Toyota vehicles. <laughs> we were watching Sony televisions and playing on Sony gaming systems. Americans were taking vacations overseas. And there was one of those men from that country living in a cave, eating off the land. Why? Because he was still a prisoner of his own fear. Christian, let me tell you something. You and I have no need to fear. If we can come before our God and we can stand before him with a clean heart and clean hands and we have fellowship with him, we can stand before anything this world throws at us because we have the power, we have the love, and we have the sound mind that he gave us. And there is no fear in that. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We can overcome that spirit by the spirit of faith. Let's take what God's given us and apply it in these days of fearfulness. And let's live in faithfulness. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus and the power that we have with the Holy Spirit resting in us, with the love of God resting on us, and with a sound mind. Lord, as we look at this world, we can see the writing on the wall. We can see that clear mark between good and evil. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would be delivered from a spirit of fear and we would walk in the spirit of faith. God bless your people tonight, I pray. I pray that as we gather on Wednesday night, we'll learn how to boldly witness 
with the power of the gospel. And Lord, we can see prisoners of fear, prisoners of this war set free. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church. Hey, we'll see you Wednesday night, seven o'clock there at the church. And bring, bring your Bible ready to learn.